Ladies and gentlemen, is that time once again for, you know, it's fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four letter word in professional wrestling. My name is Brian Breaker. This is episode 27 and this week, the one and only Drew Vinsel, former <laughs> PHPW champion, Drew Vinsel. Very excited to have him on the show. I can't thank Drew enough. Uh, I will say uh, he had yet to send me the uh, Harley race figure at the time of this recording. So, uh, me and him, actually, I think we're still kind of getting to know each other. And he, he's been um, such a fun guy to talk to and such a great human being. And the more that I see guys like him in the Fig Life community on Twitter and such, makes me realize how how good of a community this really is. And it makes me very, 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 very happy. And Drew's a great guy. He sent my nephew the Matadors figures, which I think that gets overlooked. That was the reason he was sending stuff is for him. He's having us in the Harley race figure, but it was such a mind blowing thing that I tend to focus on that. But he sent two figures to my nephew as well. I mean, he could have easily sold both of those for pretty sizable amounts of money. He didn't, he wanted to help out because that's the type of guy he is. And I think that that should not get overlooked. Drew's a great guy. And let me tell you, Drew, I got something in the works for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I don't think you're expecting it. And I think it'll be good stuff. So just and it it won't equal what you sent me by any stretch of the imagination but i just want to give you a little token of my appreciation for what you did and uh, again reminding me and hopefully others that these people we meet on twitter maybe we don't meet in person maybe we do but even if we do maybe it's just once maybe it's briefly but the reminder that and there's some really good people out there and that we uh we should look positively at uh, at the cool interactions we have with guys like Drew Dobro you know, Seth from ringside designs, Mike, the cleaner soda hunter, and so many others. I don't want to leave people out, but even Travis Fowler, I met him through Twitter. Me and him have a podcast. Now that doesn't happen, but I think it's really cool that you make these uh, interactions with people and you really, uh, you really become friends. So I won't, I won't spend any more time on this. I will kick it over to my conversation with the one and only Drew Vinsel. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the show this week, all the way from Ohio, through the Skype machine, good friend of mine, Drew Vinsel. Drew, how are you doing today, man? Good, Breaker. How are you? I am doing pretty well, man. Uh, we've you know we've known each other, I guess, through the Twitter world for a while. Now it's the first time we've actually like spoken. It's kind of a it's kind of interesting how communication has changed in our in our lifetime. How it's all text based, and then you actually talk to someone for the first time. And you're like, oh yeah, you know, right. Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny. It's like social media and everything has changed so much of how we communicate. And it's like you can feel like you know someone without ever meeting them. Right. And then when you do finally meet them, it's like, oh, I feel like I've known this person forever. It, it's so it's so reverse almost because you think about it, it, it seems as though texting should have hit before talking on the phone. Right. Ba based on the technology 
you know, that was afforded at the time. But now I don't know if you're like this, but if somebody just calls me out of the blue, it's always like, Oh, what's going on? Like it's, you know, it's just bad news. Cause why didn't oh, yeah. they text me? Like I was actually telling somebody the other day, the only person that I talk to on the phone regularly is my mom. <laughs> you know, like right. I don't talk, I don't talk to people on the phone. I text or, you know, you send messages through Twitter or whatever. Like that's how we communicate. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely crazy. Like how, um, like you said, knowing someone, because you know, like all the people you communicate with through Twitter. I mean, you know, and I and I know Twitter can be a lot of negativity, and we can dive into that a little bit. But I mean, I I know for me, like I always try to say, like, like me and you, for instance, we'd have probably never met each other in our entire lives if not through Twitter, right? So I can't say that it's a bad thing, but yeah, there's a lot of negativity out there too. Yeah, and you know, my thing is, I just I do not focus any sort of energy whatsoever on anything negative. Yeah. Um, you know, I just try to focus on positive and I take the positives out of, you know, what I've gotten out of social media. And that's just a ton of people that have become friends through, you know, just a love of wrestling. And I think that's awesome. And that's how it should be. Right. I mean, we shouldn't be like, there's no reason for me to like, if there's somebody commenting about something I don't care about, I don't have to, I don't have to throw in my two cents, you know, because they don't care. Like, it's just, have fun. Someone posted, like I saw the other day, um, this will probably date our podcast a little bit because these, this, this interview will air several weeks later, but I saw that you, um, you bought the, the, uh, road warriors legends figures. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But that's what Twitter's for. Right. Like, right. You bought the old school Mattel legends that came out like, like almost a decade ago. Oh, mm-hmm. that's great. That's such a cool purchase, you know, but that's what it's for. It's not for the weird negativity. And I don't know why people do it. I guess it's a, it's a safe place to be a jerk. Uh, maybe. I don't know, but yeah, it, uh, you know, it gives them a space to air their insecurities. So yeah, just not me. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's the bad part is, you know, and we've seen it here this last year or so, like people making things a big deal that shouldn't be a big deal. And I, I don't really understand that, but, but I think with the exception of maybe some people involved in the Twitter world, I feel like it, it's a really cool thing. Kind of what I feel like Jeff and Scott started with that fig life community and how many, people that we've all kind of become friends through that. That's a really cool thing. Oh yeah. People that you, like you said, you would have never met in your life if it wasn't for wrestling or figures or just any of that. And, um, you know, I'm forever grateful for that because I've gained people that have become super close friends to me because of it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, uh, one of my really good friends is Travis Fowler and uh, I talk to him all the time and we met kind of through the Twitter world and, he would message about the show and all that stuff. And that, that's kind of how we became friends. And I'm sitting there and I remember talking to him one time. I was like, me and you would have been like best friends in high school because right. we have so many similar interests, Yeah, but would have never met each other if not for this Twitter thing. So it, it, I don't know. Like I, I, I look at, I, I see where people see the negatives, but I also try to look at all the positives that it brings. Cause there's a lot of positives to it as well. Makes life much easier. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so anyway, man, um, I love to dive into to pro wrestling. So I guess we got to start at the beginning. Like, when did, when did you find pro wrestling? When did you realize that you know watching sweaty men and basically their underwear fight each other on TV was something you were into? Well, you know, I always joke and I just tell people that I've basically been a wrestling fan since birth. I, as far back as I can remember, I have memories of wrestling. You know, I remember being like three years old in 1991. And I vividly remember just seeing, like, the Ultimate Warrior. That was my guy. Sure. And, 
I mean, it just, from the youngest of ages, I was hooked, and I've never stopped. I've, you know, I've gone through periods here and there where, you know, I'm not watching weekly, and I just kind of keep up, and I'm watching pay-per-views, things like that. But wrestling has been a part of my life, my entire life. Um, you know, growing up, it was, when I was at home, I was watching WWF, and I'd go stay with my grandparents, and they originally were from the South, so they were only watching NWA and Crockett, and then, you know, later WCW. So I really was exposed to some of everything, and I just loved it all. I mean, as much wrestling as I consumed, that's what I was doing. Everything, you know, my toys, I had figures and I you know I dressed up as the ultimate warrior when I was four years old I mean wrestling was just always huge for me and that's what's so interesting is I I'm, I'm again very similar story I found it very young and don't remember not liking it right it's like once I found it I was like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen and I remember being young and fi- like if I found like a VHS tape at a store or something like that it's like oh I had to buy it because I didn't feel like wrestling was on that often. And if it was, it was like a one hour show. Right. And so Mm -hmm. now I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way at all, but I feel like wrestling is on so much. It's almost like, gosh, I need a break from wrestling. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I watch as much as I can every week, but it's almost at the point now where there's so much, if you try to keep up, you're going to get burnt out. There's not enough time in the day. I mean, and if you know, you work a full time job, whatever it's, there's no way to keep up. Um, you know, and that is, I mean, wrestling has kind of, throughout the years, gone, obviously, through ebbs and flows. You know, I was born in 88, so that was kind of towards, like, the tail end of, you know, kind of that golden era. And then you had mid-90s, like, new generation, that kind of thing. You know, that wrestling kind of dipped down in popularity, but then you had the Attitude Era, and that was just a huge boom. And, you know, for me, at that point, I was between, like, fourth grade and, like, seventh grade when the attitude area was really at its peak. So, I mean, throughout my life, I've seen so much of, you know, okay, well now it's okay to like wrestling because it's cool. Okay. Now wrestling is not cool anymore and you shouldn't like it. Oh wait, now it's the attitude area and it's the cool thing again. So yeah, you should watch wrestling. And then it was like when the attitude area died down, wrestling just kind of fell off with people. And, you know, it was like you go to school and you might have one or two friends that still watch it, but everybody else, if you try to talk about it, they're just like, you still watch that. And, and that kind of leads to the name of the show, right? Like, oh, you, exactly. like, you like wrestling? You, you know it's fake, right? And um, right. And I remember that's kind of when I when I landed on that name, I had a lot of trepidation because I thought that's going to hit some nerves with some people. Uh, but I think most people understand what I'm going for with that name. And to me, what one thing I've realized is I feel like wrestling to some degree could kind of fall into that whole like trash TV category. And what I mean by that is reality television, game shows. Like, dude, I love game shows. I oh, mean, me too. Dude, give me oh, Family yeah. Feud, Price is Right. I could watch that all day long. Yes. I've never watched that and been like, my God, this is amazing stuff. But it's just fun. And I think that's what wrestling kind of can be. It's just a fun thing to watch. Um, it's not like one that, like, you know, uh, Bane, I had him on a few weeks ago and we talked. And he was like, you know, I love the stories. He goes, not that they're, like, incredibly compelling, but I like the stories. And I'm like, sure, right. I, I get that. Because me, I'm more, I like the matches. I like, ooh, you know, it's going to be this match. That's going to be a really fun one to watch or whatever. He's more into the stories, which I totally understand. So there's a little bit of something for everybody. But 
that's one thing I've always, I, I guess, had a hard time understanding is how someone can watch like The Bachelor or Survivor, but tell you, oh, wrestling's fake. You right. Almost like you and can't watch that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, just, you know, like you said, going along with the theme, obviously, of the show, I mean, you know, I talked about kind of the evolution of wrestling throughout my life. And it's been the same with me from the time I was young to this day, just different situations of people being like, oh, it, well, it's fake. So it started when I was younger. And when I say this, it's going to sound like a bad thing, but it's really not. But, you know, my dad would watch wrestling. And he grew up in a time, you know, my dad was born in 1950. So wrestling in, in his days when he was growing up was much different than what I was watching in the early 90s. Sure. And, you know, he still had some people he liked. He was a huge Bret Hart fan, you know, and he would always say, oh, well, I like Bret because he makes it look real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he never would ever try to, you know, dissuade me from watching wrestling. He knew that I loved it, and he encouraged that, and he was fine with that. But he would always just, like, make little jabs. Like, I'd be in my room watching wrestling, and he'd come in, and he'd watch it for a second, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, you see that? He's telling him what to do. And I'm just like, okay, well, they still have to do it. Yeah. Like, even from a young age, I guess I've just always kind of understood and accepted wrestling for what it is. And to me, it's just, it is the most unique and cool, like, live theater that you can consume. There's nothing else in the world like it. Right. And, you know, are things predetermined? Sure. But are those guys still going out and are they working? And if anybody that hadn't done it, tried to get in the ring, would they be blown up within 30 seconds? Absolutely. Right. So I've just always been able to accept that this is a performance, and it takes people to be extremely skilled, both physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, to be able to grasp and create a character and just all of that. And it's just, I've just always been able to get it, I guess, and some people just don't, and that's how I take it when I come across somebody and they're like, oh, well, that's just fake. And I'm like, oh, well, you just don't get it. Right. Which th- that's, I think, the most common thing. You just don't get it. So that's kind of where it always it's always odd to me because I feel like it always, when, especially being a wrestler, it always is like they realize, oh, you actually do this. I have so many questions. Right. And I'm just like, oh, God, here we go. You know, it's like because I'm just like <laughs> preparing myself for the, this cavalcade of just ridiculous questions that are going to be hurled at me. But you talking about that. I remember a similar story. I had a family member, you know, I was watching wrestling or something and they came over to visit my mom. It was one of my mom's, well, it was my mom's like really close friend, but she was almost like an aunt to me. And she was saying like, I still can't believe, cause you know, at this point I'm like 12. So I still can't believe you're into that. Almost thinking like, that's just for little kids. Like almost like right. I'm watching Sesame street or something, you know, like <laughs> yes. you've outgrown this. Why are you still watching wrestling? And yeah. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, I was watching like a WrestleMania 10 tape that I loved. I would rent all the time because my video store had it. And of course, that's got the epic Bret Hart Owen Hart match, which is one of my favorites. Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, just such a great match. But I think in in, in that match, they did some sort of um, big suplex or something. Mm-hmm. And because she was explaining to me, and this is another thing I love is when people explain to you how wrestling works when they've never done it. Like they know, yeah. And then like me, like it would be like literally me standing up in a batter's box in a pro baseball game. Like I'm gonna hit a 90 mile an hour fastball with a wooden bat. It ain't happening, you know. Right, right, like, right. Not even close. And like I would have, no, I I'm well aware I have no business up there. And so 
I remember she was explaining to me how the punches didn't actually hurt and they did this big suplex. And I'm like, well, how does, how do they do that then? And again, I'm 12. So I kind of think this adult knows what they're talking about. Yeah. And she was like, Oh, the ring doesn't hurt. Like, how do you know? And, and, you know, again, it's just that weird thing of, they just assume, Oh, it can't hurt because wrestling's not real. Well, in fact, it does hurt. (laughs) You know, any suplex that I've ever taken hurts. That's part of, you know, the wrestling industry that I, I guess has been a hard thing for me to, to process when people don't understand that. And I feel like you being a lifetime fan, watching it all this time, you've seen moves. You can tell like, okay, that power bomb, that probably hurt. Oh yeah. And, and was well, that, yeah, I mean, it's you saying that actually made me think of a funny story. So remember in like, what was it? 2010 when the Nexus debuted. Sure. And they attacked Cena, and they tore apart the ring. I love that angle. Like, I felt like I, the next week it was completely killed, but that first night was amazing. Oh, yeah. I vividly remember this. So at this point, I wasn't still living at home, but I just happened to be visiting my parents, and I had wrestling on when that was going on. And I remember when they started ripping up the ring, and all you saw was the wooden boards. I just remember looking over at my dad and being like, hmm, I guess that ring probably hurts, huh? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and it, you know, because he would always cut the same thing. Oh, well, there's, there's springs under there. There's padding. Well, no, not really. Right. And I think it's, it's that thing of people sometimes assume there's some type of smoke and mirrors. There's some type of illusion to this to where, well, that can't hurt because why, like, why would they do that if it hurt almost? And, you know, and I've had that, I get that conversation all the time. People at work, but so what does that, what does that ring mat feel like? Like, well, it's, it's steel beams, it's wood, it's a pad, and then it's a canvas. Like, there's yeah. springs under there? And I was like, no. Like, well, I've always heard there's springs. I was like, well, you would be incorrect. There's not. You ever put a ring together? And I was like, a thousand times. Never saw a spring. Right. <laughs> then it's kind of like, well, but, you know, how, how does that, how does that not hurt? I'm like, well, that's the secret. It does hurt. You know, <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's what's so strange to me, I think. And like you said, you saw that ring being torn apart, which... That was a really cool moment, I thought, for so many reasons, because no one had ever seen anything like that. And I had heard, you know, kind of behind the scenes that they weren't given a lot of direction. They just said, go out there and and tear everything apart and make this impactful. And it was. Right. And it's a visual, like, like you said, you vividly remember that. And I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened in 2010 on Raw, that entire year. That I remember. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was one of those few moments, especially... You know, in the past, however long since, you know, kayfabe and all that's really been dead. It was one of those few moments where it was like, you really felt like the shock and awe of it. Like, the arena was dead silent. It was just like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And it's it's just, it's kind of rare that you get that anymore. And it, it to me, like, that's actually, I know this has been heavily debated, but when Brock broke the streak at WrestleMania... Mm-hmm. As controversial of a decision as that was, I will never forget that whole arena going silent. Oh yeah, like and I remember just the you know of course the, that that dude with the big eyes in the front row is going to be forever etched in wrestling history. Um, but just everyone like their hands on their face, like just that look, like what did something go wrong? What just happened? And, and to me, was... like that's what wrestling's about. You're building moments. Was should the Undertaker streak have been broken? Who who's to say? I guess, but. Right. That's a moment I will never forget either because it was like, what? Like that just happened. And that again is one of those moments where it's like, 
it actually took you by surprise. Like, you feel like, okay, you know what's going to happen. I actually remember I had my buddy over that night to watch WrestleMania 30. And, you know, we were watching the pre-show, and they were running down the matches, and, you know, they run down the Brock and Undertaker match, and I just kind of joked to him. I was like, well, we really know who's going to win that one. Right. And then it actually happened. And we're just, like, staring at each other like, did we actually just see that? And then, you know, they kind of played it out. They didn't play the music right away. So then you're thinking, oh, this was a mistake. And then they have the big graphic come up on the board. And it's like, okay, it wasn't. And it was just, wow. That that was a, a moment. And that that whole, that and, you know, that was like the first like real big pay-per-view they did on the network, which was, I think, kind of maybe the thought, like, we need to come out strong out of the gate. We need to do something people are going to talk about for years. And. Again, some people dislike it. Some people did like it. It is what it is. But that was certainly a decision that will forever be like that moment. I'll never forget because of just the stunned silence of that huge arena. And when it just got quiet, it's just like, whoa, that's a moment. Yeah. Very, very cool stuff. But, um, you know, as uh, as the wrestling business goes through ebbs and flows, I think sometimes our fandom does. Have you ever had a period in your life where. Not, not that you weren't a fan, but maybe you just didn't really pay attention to it. Because I know, like, talking with Bane, he certainly has had those where it's like, yeah, 05, 07, I didn't really watch it during that time. But then, you know, this happens, and that kind of got me back into it or, or whatever. But Because I think we all have those moments where, not that we don't like wrestling or we don't pay attention to it, it's just you're maybe you're into other stuff. Yeah, um, I, I did go through that. So, I graduated high school in 06, and... Shortly after, you know, I moved away, and obviously as a broke kid trying to fund his way through, you know, broadcasting school, I didn't pay for cable or anything like that. So that period of, like, 07 to, like, 2010, I really wasn't watching regularly. It wasn't that I didn't love wrestling. I just, I didn't have a way to watch it weekly. And, you know, I didn't watch all the pay-per-views. If one of my buddies was getting a pay-per-view and I had some extra money, you know, I might pitch in and go watch it. But that was, you know, really the only time where I had kind of just fallen out, you know, with wrestling where I wasn't watching all the time. And that probably lasted a couple years. Um, And then really what brought me back to the point where ever since, you know, I've been watching pretty regularly every week um, was just kind of the whole rise of CM Punk. CM Punk's one of my favorites of all time. And, you know, when they kind of started running, you know, the angle with him in 2011, that just brought me back. And I've really, you know, I've been with it since what's funny is I've heard a few people say that and I remember that night I was at work and a friend of mine who was in the business texted me and he said Punk just did a shoot shoot promo on Raw and I was like what do you mean he goes I mean he shot big time Mm -hmm. what did he say he said he was going to go to New Japan and Ring of Honor and he said hi to Colt Cabana and at that time like you didn't even call a title belt a you know a belt. It was a championship, you know. So right. I was just like, "What?" And and you know, I'm in the business. I'm trying to get to WWE at this point. So it really caught me off guard that like, "What? That just happened?" And and then you you are heading into that Money in the Bank pay per view, which is honestly one of the. I mean, I know the Money in the Bank matches are usually fun to watch, but it's kind of a throwaway pay per view to a degree. It is, yeah. And I remember thinking, like, we all, again, pitched in our money, kind of like you were saying, because that's how it was back in the day, right? $40, $50 pay-per-view, everyone throws in 10 bucks or whatever. Right. And we all did that to watch that show. 
and I remember thinking when I was watching that, I was like, they got us in. Like, they got us back into wrestling. Like, they got a lot of people back into wrestling. How cool is that? Right. I, I don't feel like they capitalized on it like they should have. But that summer of punk, is, as it's kind of been known, like, what a what a great time. That was, like, one of the first times. I Again, that CM Punk angle, I vividly remember that. And I didn't watch it live, but I remember seeing it later. And, oh, yeah. And, I mean, it, you know. You know, that was kind of the earlier days of social media, but, I mean, it it blew up. It went viral. It was mm-hmm. everywhere. And then, you know, how, like, they kind of, you know, and I think it was cleverly done where, it's like, let me tell you something else about Vince McMahon, then, bam, his mic's cut. Yeah. Oh, so good. I mean, like, that that is exactly what I think the business needed at that, at that time to get more people invested, get more people talking about it, more people buying pay-per-views. Um I don't know, man. It was just, it was really, really fun. And then, of course, he ends up leaving just a few years later, like legitimately, and hasn't really hasn't been seen in the wrestling industry to any large degree since then. So I got to ask you this, man. Do you think AEW, do you think AEW is in his future at some point? I would like to see it. Until it happens, I, I can't say either way. Um, I feel like he's always just been very true to his word Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's always just said he doesn't, he's done with wrestling. You know, he's kind of changed that stance a little bit. You know, I did listen to like his interview that he did with, uh, you know, Renee Young, Mm -hmm. where he, he kind of talked about, you know, if the story's right, he'd be interested. And, you know, from an AEW perspective, I think there's a lot of stories that could be told there. Um, I think there's a lot of guys there that he would like to work with. And I'd love to see it. So, <laughs> yeah, and you know, we've talked about this on you know on Breaker Remains Power Hour before, where it's like, well, you know, like I want to see it if he wants to do it, but you know, you don't want it to be just like him going in not caring. Not that I, not that he would do that, but like you said, there's a lot of good stories to tell. I I remember thinking like for sure at that first All Out, they're in Chicago. I was like, you know, Punk's walking out at the end, mm-hmm. and he didn't. First TV taping, Punk's walking out. And he didn't. It's just like, huh, well, maybe this isn't going to happen, you know. And so far it hasn't. But I, I think, you know, if, if timing was right and everything was, you know, right place, right time, I think it would be a a thing that could really set fire to the wrestling business. Again, what you think about it, it's been a decade since that shoot promo. That's crazy. Right, and think about that. Think about the impact that that's made on the business that seven years after he's been gone, we're still asking about it. Right. Still CM Punk chants. Well, I mean, not right now with no crowd, but when there was, you know, like every now and then you'd hear that CM Punk chant break out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, besides the Attitude Era, that was the most I had been into wrestling since then. You know, the early 2000s, I was a a fan, and there's a lot of good stuff. Um, But, you know, kind of those late 2000s into the early 2010s, it just, just kind of feels like there wasn't anything special, you know? Well, and, and that's kind of what, what I, we were talking about before with, like, the Nexus angle. Like, if you were to say, like, what's something impactful that's happened on Raw in 2017, I couldn't tell you, you know? And that's, I think, going back to the Attitude Era, because I, I I did a thing a while back where I rewatched every Raw from 1998, and if anyone, I don't know if they're on the new Peacock streaming service yet, but when the WWE Network was just that, they had all the Raws up from 98. And so they're yeah. only, like, 90 minutes to watch. They're pretty easy. And it was so weird because you remember all those big moments. I remember the Zamboni, you know, I remember the, uh, the cement truck and I remember, you know, 
so many. I remember all the brawl for alls and all that weird stuff that they did in that era. But then it's like randomly you see the Truth Commission come out and you're like, wow, that was in '98. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so weird how there was all this great stuff. They're in the middle of a ratings war, and then like, Austin, they're like, Austin's coming up, you know. And then right, but right before that, it's the Truth Commission in the ring. You're like, wow, right. they booked them the same night. Like, how weird. It's just, it's crazy how. Like, all those big moments. But I, I also have this theory that, you know, because I'm sure, like like me, you probably switch back and forth with WCW to some degree. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's kind of what made that era fun because we were kind of watching just highlights. Like, oh, Sting's coming down. I got to watch WCW. And then it's like, okay, he's gone. Now it's, you know, Alex Wright. So, okay, we'll go back to WWE. And, oh, Stone Cold's out. We're going to watch this. And then you go back to WCW. It's like, oh, Goldberg's coming out. So it was like the... You're kind of just watching in highlights. You're not watching the full show, and yeah. I kind of I kind of wonder if that's what killed some of the momentum in the early 2000s because I remember the night after W or like the week after WCW was purchased, I turned on TNT, and it's like a TV movie. I was like, oh, no more Nitro. Yeah, no. it's over, right? Yeah, and I mean, I've always felt that way. You know, I felt like once the competition was gone, it just there was something missing. They're just because it was, you know, they're competing with themselves. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what what hurt it, right? Because you didn't have that, okay, this is getting a little boring, let me switch it over. Right. Oh, this is getting a little boring, let me switch it over. Now you're watching through all the commercials, which that wasn't a thing before. Because as soon as Nitro hit commercial, let's see what's happening on Raw. And then you get distracted in what's happening there, and then, oh, crap, Nitro's back, let's see what's going on there. And so it was just that constant back and forth. Yeah, I mean, my big thing was I would always, like, I would switch over to Nitro, and I would always try to make sure I switched over when the cruiserweights would be on. Right. I mean, that's what drew me to, to Nitro in that era was the cruiserweights, you know, Mysterio, Malenko, Guerrero, you know, Ultimate Dragon, all those guys. Um, you know, so it didn't matter what was going on on Raw. If the cruiserweights were on, I was going to watch them. And I just always felt like, you know, once WCW was gone, you know, WWE tried to do something with cruiserweights and they had some talented guys but it just it just wasn't that same feel as that era on nitro when they had the cruiserweights and I, and I feel like wwe that's one thing they've never been able to capitalize on is how good that cruiserweight division was because you had the first time i saw ray mysterio jr it blew my mind oh yeah i'm just like what is like this guy's doing stuff i've never even fathomed before Dean Malenko was another one. Eddie Guerrero, you know, Jericho kind of came in in that era. Ultimo Dragon, you mentioned, he's another one. It's just like was an un- incredible talent. And now WWE does that 205 Live show where it's I'm like, the key to the Cruiserweights wasn't their own show, in my opinion. It was the fact that they were sprinkled in. Like, to me, and Eric Bischoff has said this on his podcast before, he tried to make them the opening match of a pay-per-view. And... Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things, like, you maybe you bought Halloween Havoc 97 for Hogan and Piper in a cage, but you got to see... But you remember Eddie and Ray. Right, and you remember, like, how good that was. And, you know, I remember having pay-per-view parties in that era, and that would be the thing. Like, hey, we're there for DDP and Goldberg, but, man, that freaking match that these cruiserweights had was incredible. You know, like, that was that was the fun of, like, wow, that was really good. And, and that was that was a great formula for WCW at that time, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I always just, and that's, you know, like you said, 205 Live, if you actually take the time and watch the show, they put on great matches. Sure. But they don't have any sort of story. And 
everything just feels like a throwaway. It's just content for the sake of content because they have to do it weekly. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's sometimes the problem is I remember, you know, even being in NXT where we would do our live events, they were all cold matches. So it's right. like, oh, we're seeing... Because I remember one night, just some random live event, they had Seth Rollins versus Luke Harper. Fantastic match. But there was no story. So yeah. they just had this good match, and that was it. You know, and then then randomly you'd see, like, I remember uh, the guy that I always liked to watch was uh, Cassius Ono, Chris Hero, because he always yeah. consistently put on great matches. So, it was like, we had good matches, but we had no stories. So... It was just like, no, it was just, and all of it was just kind of throwaway, you know, and nothing really stands out of being like, wow, that was, that was such a, an incredible story they told. And I think that's such a big factor into wrestling. And when you don't have that story behind it, a match is fine. It's good, but it's just, it's just a good match. And, yeah. and then it kind of withers away and you don't remember it for a while. And I kind of feel like, I don't, I don't know if you, if you can relate with this, but I feel like ever since we've kind of entered this, you know, like COVID era, Mm-hmm. I don't want to say the WWE isn't trying, but I just feel like, you know, you try to watch Raw every week, and it's a chore. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, it's the same matches every week. Right. Or it's just random people thrown together for for no reason. There's no, and you know, it's like the 50-50 booking argument. Well, that's kind of what it all is right now. Right. Like, nobody's being built. Nobody's, you know, has a winning streak. Anything like that. It's just, okay, well, let's book the show, and... Okay, then next week we'll book another show. There's got to be that question asked of why are these guys fighting? Right. Why Why is... Like, I remember um, when they they did this weird booking thing around the Royal Rumble where Adam Pearce was going to get a title match. Mm-hmm. And I got so excited for that because I was like, oh, that's different. Right. Because we know, like, I mean, if you know anything about him, he's a former NWA champion. Now he's a producer. He's like 42, 43, so he's a little older, but he's not not out of wrestling shape necessarily. He's wrestling arguably one of the best guys they have in Roman Reigns. Like this could be something. Yeah. Then all of a sudden that gets scrapped and Roman's wrestling Kevin Owens. And it's not that that match was bad, but it's like, we've seen that already. And it's like, why did you even do that then? Right. Exactly. It's like, why it's, it's almost like taking a big long loop, you know, instead of a shortcut. Like, why would you do that? It makes no sense. And I'm like, man, all that hype you had me to want to watch this match is gone now. And then I feel like Roman and, and Kevin have to work twice as hard to even get any type of momentum for their match because it's like, well, I don't really care to see that. I just saw it last month at TLC or whatever it was. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's very interesting, some of the things they do, but the COVID era yeah, has, I, has certainly been weird in that regard. Yeah. You know, and, the, you know, people always go back and they talk about, well, the Attitude Era was so great. Well, I think the reason for that is because everybody had a story. Mm-hmm. Mid-card guys had stories. Lower-card guys had stories. And, you know, if you're comparing in-ring work from then to now, it's better now. Sure. But there's no there's no sort of... There's no story that gets you from point A to point B. It's just, alright, well, we're going to throw these two guys in there and they're going to have a great match because that's what you want, right? Well, yes and no. You know, you can appreciate a great match. You can watch it and say, yeah, that was a great match. But you have to be emotionally invested in something to really suspend that disbelief and feel what's going on as you watch it. I feel like there's elements of what WWE has nowadays. And I, and I feel like it's been that way for a little bit. But where it's it reminds me a lot of um, TNA back in the day. Because I remember my argument with TNA used to be, they've got talent. 
They've got a lot of great talent. Yeah. But there's nothing about the show that makes me want to watch it. And that's somewhere, I think, is somewhere with the problem with WWE right now as well. You know, and I think, you know, some of it, too, is people just consume things in different ways. You know, they don't want to sit through three hours of a live broadcast when they can watch it in half the time the next day. Exactly. And and I think that will always kind of be a factor with um, with how people consume wrestling. And, and you know, I kind of go back to what I was saying initially. Uh, with wrestling, I've always liked... I always liked watching it. I always wanted to watch more. So, like, I remember buying, like, VHS tapes at Kmart as a kid of, like, old Memphis stuff, which I didn't know what it was at the time, but now I'm like, oh, that was old Memphis stuff I was watching. And it was, like, you know, 45-minute tapes of, like, two matches, but that was, like, ooh, I can watch wrestling tonight because I have this tape. Now wrestling is, there's so much on. It's on, you know, so often. The shows are so long. Like you were saying, you kind of need a break from it. So it would be hard if you watched Raw... SmackDown, AEW, Impact, NXT, NXT UK. Like you're like, do I really want to sit through another hour of 205 Live? That's a lot of wrestling, right? Yeah, it's just it's and again with nothing that's really grabbing you and making you want to watch it. Right. Yeah, it's it's almost too much at times. Uh, well, I do want to transition to to uh, to figures a little bit. I know you're a big figure collector, and you know you mentioned uh, rushing wrestling kind of in the golden era of the WWE or WWF at the time. So I, I have to ask, was Hasbro's like your go-to at that period, man? Because that was I, – I was into LJNs a little bit, and I know Jeff and Scott, that's their main one. But Hasbro's are like – that's my uh, – that was my jam. Yeah. Um, I So it was a little unique for me. My first figures actually were LJNs. Right. They were hand-me-downs that I had gotten from a couple of my cousins. So those were my first introduction to wrestling figures. And then it was the Hasbro's. Um, you know, that – kind of peak time for me, like four to seven Hasbro's were still around. I could get them. Um, you know, I obviously didn't have as many then as I do now. Um, but you know, I had like all the ultimate warriors. Um, I had the main guys really. I probably had, I don't know, 15 to 20 Hasbro's that I would play with. Uh, but what I had the most of honestly was the jacks, like the BCAs and all of that just because that was the time period I was in, you know, when I was eight, nine, ten years old, that's what was available was the BCAs. Sure. And, you know, they're not the greatest, but to me, they always hold that special place just from a nostalgia sense, because that was my childhood. I, one thing I like about the BCAs, and this was like, to me, the first line that did this, they made almost everybody multiple, multiple times. And that, to me, was such a, a cool thing, because I remember the two that I really wanted were the Legion of Doom 2-pack. Mm-hmm. never saw it, but surely they were they were, they were were released. I'm like, hopefully they get released again, and they were. And I remember I got them for Christmas one year, and they were the Signature Series single packs. Yep. So they were the same, but they just had the signature on the leg. But I didn't care, because I needed the LOD. Right. And to me, I thought Jax did a really good job with that, whereas Hasbro, certain guys... You know, Jake the Snake, Rick Martell. Mm-hmm. They had one figure. That was it. I mean, yeah, your top guys got a couple re-releases, but some of those lower card guys only had that one Hasbro figure. So if you missed it, you missed it. And uh, yeah. Jax, I think they did a really good job of making sure that that the line was very fluid and you, there was a lot of a lot of ways to get the guys you wanted. Yeah, and the other thing about Jax, and 
I know you can relate because we both share a love of obscure wrestlers. Absolutely. But, I mean, Jack, Jack's made all those guys. Yes. I mean, you know, I'm looking at my wall right now. I've got, like, a Kurgan figure. Fantastic. Where else are you going to find a Kurgan figure? Now, is you it know? the Kurgan like the, uh, like the bad guy or Kurgan from the oddities? So it's Kurgan from the oddities, but then I actually – it's funny that you had uh, said something about the Truth Commission because I have that two-pack. Fantastic, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, you know, the figures themselves, obviously, they weren't that great, but they were the first ones that had as much articulation. You could actually play with them. Mm -hmm. You know, you could do you could do an actual like pile driver with a BCA where you couldn't really do that with Hasbro. You could kind of almost do the Stone Cold Stunner. You know, you could bring yeah. the boot up to do the kick to the gut, and then yeah, drop them down. Yeah. Um, I I didn't hate the BCAs. I mean, I know there was. I think one one huge fall of those is I I would imagine I've never tried this but I would imagine there'd be very hard to do to figure photography with mm -hmm. like trying to stand them up and, and pose them and things like that I imagine would be very difficult but oh yeah man I I love the BCAs and I feel like that was the last figure line that kind of where it would happen where I didn't know and what I mean by that is I just show up to a store and see new ones yeah because once like. Titantron Live and Ruthless Aggression and all and Classic Superstars start hitting, that's when they're hitting the internet. You see them first, and then it's not really a surprise when you go to the store. But that, to me, was still one of my favorite things about, about figure collecting in any regard. It's just, if you went to the store, you did not know if you were going to see something new. And that that feeling, that rush of adrenaline you would get when that happened was such a fun thing, man. Oh, yeah, I miss it. And, you know, you never had to worry about going to the store and there being no figures. Right. You there was didn't always, know what there you were going to find, and there was always going to be something. So, you know, you wanted to give them your money, and they had figures readily available. Now you want to give them your money, and it's like, eh, good luck. My So, funny story, like, tonight, actually, as we record this, my nephew's birthday is coming up, and so my mom and sister went to go buy him some birthday presents, and he loves wrestling, so I wanted to get him wrestlers. And my mom's like, man, Walmart didn't have anything. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> I'm well aware they didn't have anything, and so they ended up getting him the uh, slambulance and like the uh, the wrecking the wrecking cage or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, fantastic, he'll like those. But yeah, I mean, I I could only imagine being a kid now and you know talking to your mom and dad. Hey, I, I got some money. I want to go buy some toys, and there's literally nothing on the pegs. I've, I've told Jeff from Fully Posable this a few times. I'm like, what a terrible business model. Like, I have money I want to give you, and you have nothing nothing there available. Right. Your pegs are empty. Like, how is this happening? Yeah. I have this money. Take it. Well, we don't have anything for you to take, so you can't, we're not going to take your money. That <laughs> yeah. just, it, it blows my mind, yeah. honestly. Yeah, it, it's it's very, very strange how things are nowadays. But, you know, like you said, during that era, there was always there was always something. And that, to me, is kind of like the whole BCA thing. I remember always seeing them, you know, and always, always new lines coming out. Like, I remember the very first time I saw, like, a Dan Severn figure. It was in a two-pack with Ken Shamrock. I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. I have to get that, you know? like Right, how cool is that? You know? Yeah, because, like you said, they did make everybody. Or the first time they made a Draws figure, he was in, like, the fully loaded line or something. Yep. So just just a random, like, line because they had, like, he had, like, a tire that he came with. But that's the first time they made Draws. So that, to me, was what was so cool about the figures at that time is there's all these different random lines, but you would always see someone new popping up. And I think Jack's kind I mean, as weird as it seems, because I know a lot of people kind of bash Jack's, but especially in that era, they kind of opened the door. Like, if you look at Mattel, they're very much doing that same format. Mm -hmm. You have your main lines, but then you also have, like, 
all these sub lines of different things of how they get figures out there. Right. You know, when you talk about how they made everybody, well, what's the main complaint with like the AEW figures nowadays is, okay, well, we're what, four or five series in and we've had how many duplicates? Right. You know, so yeah, it, uh, just not the same, but. Well, and, that, and that's the thing about the AEW figures is, um, it's like, I get we need it. We need more of certain people because they're hard to find, but it's like, okay, where's this guy? Where's that guy? And, you know, it kind of sucks thinking like, man, it might be three years before we see some of these guys hit the pegs. Exactly. So. You know, and, you know, with them announcing a second line, I, th- I do think that'll help. Yeah. Um, you know, and hopefully they start being more readily available. I, I haven't had any issues finding them, but I know plenty of people that have. Well, anytime I found them, I've noticed that they're gone usually in a day. Mm-hmm. It's very, very quick. And it's just like, wow. So if you don't, if you don't pull the trigger right then and there, you're probably not going to find them again, at least for a while. So, but I mean, it's, that's good for the longevity of them as a line, I think. But yeah, it is crazy to think of how quickly they move. So you said, you know, you talked about how like your nephew likes wrestling and stuff. So I have a similar situation. Uh, my nephew, he, He's 16 now, so he's starting to gradually phase out. Mm-hmm. But I guess, so my question for you, like, because your nephew likes wrestling and, you know, he's collecting figures and stuff, do you feel like that helps you kind of stay in as far as figure collecting? I think to a degree, you know, because to me it's it's really cool because I can show him, like, oh, hey, they just they just released a new picture of The Fiend, you know, or mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And, and the fact that he digs it, I think, is is fun. But at the yeah. same time, like, I, I try not to I, – I don't like to push wrestling on anybody, like, if it's not his thing. And, right. I, and, you know, I think my parents think because he loves it as much as I did as a kid, they're like, oh, he may be a wrestler. And I'm like, well, if, if he does want to do that, then that's that's his decision. And I would help him, but I certainly wouldn't, like, encourage it. Like, oh, you have to do this, you know, because it's such a hard life. But, you know, with, like, figure collecting, he's about to be seven. So, yeah, he gets into other toys, too. Like, he's kind of – all the kids at his school are collecting Pokemon again. Yeah. And so that's kind of hitting a resurgence. And so I'm like, you know, if you want Pokemon stuff for Christmas or for your birthday, I can get you Pokemon stuff. I know nothing about it, so I'd have to do a little bit of research and try to figure out what this stuff is. But – that's how I look at it, you know, because he does. I mean, I know uh, a few weeks ago I had him and my niece over to help me with a giveaway. And I thought, oh, well, this won't take long, five, five, six minutes, and we can record it. <laughs> but then I forgot I have all these figures over here, and he was quite easily distracted. Right. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this podcast that sounded fun for him to do, he didn't want to do anymore because he wanted to check out all my toys. He just so. wanted to play with your toys, yeah. Right. So I was like, ah, didn't think about that, but, you know, it kind of makes sense now. <laughs> But I think, you know, um, figure collecting is a, is a fun hobby. Um, what are you collecting nowadays? I know, because I, like I mentioned earlier the Road Warriors legends, and I know yeah, you seem to be kind of a Mattel guy collecting Mattel stuff. You seem, you mentioned AEW and Hasbro's. Like, what's kind of your jam these days? Well, I, I just I kind of collect some of everything, honestly. Um, I do focus a lot more on kind of that older era, you know, when I was younger. Um, you know, any kind of legends that, that come out, I'm all about that. I don't collect a ton of current guys that Mattel releases unless it's, you know, somebody that's kind of like favorites of mine. Sure. Um, you know, I might think 
some of the newer figures are cool, but part of it is I'm running out of space in my figure room. Part of it is I just want to focus some of my figure budget towards maybe some of the, you know, older releases that are obviously more expensive because I wasn't collecting when they released. Um, You have to draw your own line somewhere. We all have to have our own rules, you know. Definitely. And so, you know, I'm kind of working on the Mattel Legends. I'm probably two-thirds of the way through. Um, Some of them are just so expensive. So it's, you know, you kind of just got to pick and choose and save up if you, you know, really want to do that. So that's kind of a long-term goal. I do also collect the classic superstars. Uh, I just love that line. You know, that was kind of the same thing, you know, like we talked about. You're going to find guys in that line that that was their only figure. Right. And that's just great. Um, You know, I do have a loose Hasbro collection. That's probably, I don't know, 80% full. So I'm working on that. But, you know, now with, like, Jason Wolf doing his customs, I I haven't missed out on any of those because they're just so great. Dude, I'm I'm not really a custom guy, so I haven't really dove into those. But man, those do look amazing. Like, and I feel like he's getting better at it each time. Yeah, I mean, just you can just tell the the quality of work that he puts into it, and it's just it's been awesome. I mean, there's you know they are Hasbro's, obviously that's what he's using, but he does it his own way with the magnets and stuff. And just to have some of those guys in that in that collection, you know, like the Anvil the heart foundation we never got that mm-hmm. now i can put it next to my brett and it's complete or the owen heart right i mean we never got yeah. him in that attire we always we right. got like the uh the new foundation version yeah yeah uh, well then there's also too like cello toys has this new hasbro line and zombie sailors got a hasbro line that's upcoming what do you think have you thought about that too much because i'm kind of like man this is like you know, the zombie sailor line, I didn't really pay a lot of attention into until he like announced Dino Bravo. And I'm like, Whoa, okay. Right. He's never had a figure and he fits perfectly with the Hasbro line. Yeah. So something like that right up my alley, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I did not get the Nick Aldis. I think it's great. You know, the, from the pictures I've seen, the people that have got it, I think it's awesome. It's just not something that I felt the need that I had to have. Sure. Uh, you know, somebody like a Dino Bravo or, who did I see that announced uh, Hayabusa? Was that also Cello Toys? Yeah, they announced the Hayabusa and then a Dynamite Kid coming up. Right. So things like that, you know, guys that either haven't had a figure or don't have a lot of figures or haven't had a figure in a long time, I'm going to be all over that. Um, you know, goes back to, like, the obscure characters. Anything, right. anybody that they announced that was not, like, a big name, they just take my money. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I yeah, I completely agree. That's, that's, just... that's where I'm I'm very excited for AEW with Jeremy. I'm like, you know he's got something in mind with Legends. And I, and they haven't announced anything as of this recording yet, but I feel like it's gonna be big, right? Because Classic oh, Superstars to... was amazing. Right. And... I mean, you know, you you look at what he did with that line and and now, you know, he's got I, I think probably more of a force behind him than he did, you know, when it was Jax. Right. Yeah, and and that's to me like where I'm like, ooh, like there's so many guys because I feel like Mattel doesn't really dive off that much. Like, I mean, it's like, oh, you did Greg the Hammer Valentine. That's that's cool, but they don't really dive off into the obscure too terribly often. I feel like. And and they kind of release the thing. You know, you're gonna get the warriors. You're gonna get the Macho Man's. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But 
like, you're doing a Legends line. It's like, okay, we've had Paul Orndorff already. I get it, a new one, but we've had him. We've had Eddie Guerrero. Right. Like, give me some, give me some new guys. And, uh, you know, like, a lot of them aren't, aren't really new. I, in fact, I'm trying to think if there's actually been a, a new Legends that they've done that they haven't done previously. I'm, I don't know if there has been, but it's, it's one of those things. It's like, give me some, some obscure guys. I think that that's fun. I do think that they, them doing the uh, collector's edition, like a Rocky Johnson, that that's super cool. Yeah. So I dig that concept. I just, I think with, um, with Jeremy and, you know, uh, jazz wears, I really feel like they could, there's a lot of, of guys they could go after. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm here for it, man. I think that that's what's, that's what makes collecting fun. When these new announcements hit, and like you said, like a Dino Bravo, it's like, Oh man, the Hasbro figure I never knew I needed, but there it right. is. Yeah, and you know, and then you see like the drawings and the renderings and all that, and it's just like, wow, like <laughs> that's awesome. And, and I'm kind of wondering, like, <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to have another company start Hasbro soon, you know, like because there's so many that are happening right now. Yeah, it does. I mean, it just kind of seems like everybody's kind of throwing their hat in the ring. You, you know, you like Jump uh, Junk Shop Dog. They did that uh, Brody figure. Yeah, and then they also announced, I think, a Dynamite Kid for their line. Um, so yeah, I think you're seeing a lot of these smaller companies kind of throw their hat in the ring and, you know, it's a great time to be a collector, but you know, obviously the fear is, are you going to oversaturate the market? Right. Right now collecting's hot, but five years from now, is it still going to be? Well, and that's, what's so interesting is I remember, you know, you talked about points where you're not really a huge fan when I, you know, when I started wrestling, obviously I didn't really collect. Because A, I was a wrestler, and B, I was broke. So kind of, right. it, it's not going to happen, obviously. But I always, I always looked. I, you know, and that was kind of part of my my life. I always, you always look at the toy aisle. If you're in Walmart, you're in Target. I'm sure you're the same way. You have to go down the toy aisle, right? It's always first stop. Right. Yeah. Got to. And I mean, I, I'm sure I've joked with like Travis Fowler about this. There's times when I'm like, I need like deodorant or something. I gotta, I gotta go buy deodorant. I find a toy that I'm like, oh man, and then I forget to buy deodorant. Yep. <laughs> All the time, get excited, the yeah, time. which yeah. is which is hilarious. But it all it always happens. But I don't remember toys moving back then like they do now, right? And I remember I remember when the TNA Impact like Jacks figures were hitting at Target and seeing them I'm like, oh, these look kind of cool, and like they had like Kurt Angle and Sting and Samoa Joe and stuff. Yeah. And then the UFC figures hit and seeing those, and again, oh, these are kind of cool, but they never. They never seemed like like they moved that quickly. Like occasionally they would move. Now you go to a store, you see a whole new wave of elites. The next day they're all gone. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean you know obviously you've got to deal with like the reseller market, right? But just collecting as a whole right now is just hot. You know, I mean I I collect wrestling obviously, but then I also collect horror. Okay, like so, NECA? Oh yeah, nice. So I like that. I mean, you know. I had the hardest time, you know, with some of the recent figures. Like, I ended up when they released the, uh, the Halloween 3 uh, three pack. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I could not find it anywhere. I ended up just having to pay like $10 over retail and I got it at a toy, sh- that toy show because, yeah. you know, it's so it's it's not just wrestling figures. I mean, it's figures in general. Sure. Um, you know, so yeah, the market is hot, but, you know, and so. It's funny that you kind of say that, that toys are flying. I remember when my nephew was younger, this was before I got back into collecting. This was probably back, I don't know, 2011, 2012. 
I remember, I don't remember if it was for his birthday or for Christmas because they're only a month apart, but he had asked me for, looking back at the time, I didn't know, but it was the defining moment Shawn Michaels figure. Well, so I go to the store and they had just like an entire end cap of them. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, you know, I found it. That's easy. Well, nowadays, that figure goes for like, what, $150? If only you had known, right? Right. <laughs> and it was just like, like, you know, you talked about going back with those Road Warriors figures. Man, if I would have been collecting in 2010 instead of waiting until 2016 to get back into it. But at the time, I was in my early 20s and I was broke. Yeah. So, you know, having a collection just wasn't going to happen. So, you know, now as in my early 30s, I'm trying to go back and keep up. But that's an expensive hobby. It is. Have you uh, have you dove into the Legends demolition yet? Oh, I have them. Okay, I good. Because I'm about to say, yeah. it's like, if you haven't opened the wallet, you will for those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually, I think the, I got Axe and Smash, um, I want to say also at a toy show, and then I did find the uh, the Crush Elite. I know that wasn't part of the Legends line, but they did. I think it's like Elite 28. They made the Crush. Right. Um, I found him actually at a shop down in Cincinnati. Uh, we were there a few months ago, and so I had to get that. But, yeah. Demolition was great. Well, and Mattel is really good about making sure all those gaps in your collection are closed, you know? Mm-hmm. Like how they, they release, like, the Elizabeth and the and the Elite line. And, and you know, we'll probably see a Mega Powers, Macho, and Hogan down the road, I would imagine. And, like, they kind of, they, they kind of, like, it's not always all in the same line, but they'll, they'll plug them in where they need to. Kind of like Crush randomly hits an Elite line several years later, but right. at least he came out, so. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're good That's about like, that. you know. Yeah, they released that stunning Steve Austin, so it's like now we wait for a Pillman. That one was like, you got to be kidding. I thought, oh, for sure he's going to be in Elite 82 because mm-hmm. why would he not be? And then he wasn't. I'm like, really? Like, you got to have a Hollywood Blondes Pillman. Like, come on. He's got one tag title. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> it was so weird to me. I was like, come on. Like, that's one of my all-time favorite tag teams. So Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't want to keep you on too long, man. This has been a lot of fun uh, chopping it up with you. But before we go, we have to talk about uh, Tales from the Estate, your new podcast, man. Yeah, it uh, it's kind of become a thing, I guess. <laughs> you know, when we started the show, it was just kind of, hey, we're going to do this for fun. Right. You know, we just kind of wanted to try something new with each other, and uh, people really seem to like it. So it's been it's been awesome like you know I, I can't thank you enough for you know plugging us every week I mean that has brought a ton of ears to us that you know would not have been otherwise and you know just everybody that's that's been supportive and and you know said nice things about the show plugged the show let people know about the show um, we have a blast doing it every week we look forward to recording every week and uh, you know it's just uh, it's nice because it's time where we're just spending time together. We don't have our phones out. We're not, yeah. you know, there's no distractions. It's just us chopping it up for 30 to 45 minutes. And we're very just kind of, we don't take ourselves seriously. We're very nerdy in our own way. And, uh, yeah, we have, we have fun doing it. It's not a wrestling podcast. We have some elements of wrestling in it but it's just more of kind of a random variety show every week. We do a top five on a different topic and yeah. You know, and, that, and that's kind of, I, I've told Bane before. I was like, man, I was like, this is right up your alley. I think you would really like this one because a, it's not, there's like you said, there's some wrestling elements. Cause I think with any show that any of us do, there's going to be some wrestling because 
It's part of we're who fans. We are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I love you know your wife having to guess if this person's a wrestler or a, or a celebrity <laughs> because there's so many random could... wrestlers. That's so fun. I just wish I could get her to remember the rules. It's like, <laughs> we've been doing this how long? And right. She always just says, oh, it's a real person. Well, that's not the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. Then, of course, you know, you've done – you talk a lot about food, which – We do. And I remember telling Bane, I was like, how how do we not talk about food that much? Like, it kind of spawns that idea. I'm like, me and you, we definitely can put away some food. Like, why are we not talking about food and all this stuff? And that that will lead to something I think I want to talk with him on the the show we're going to record next where there's this burger place in town and I think I told you a little bit about this off the air but yeah. um they had what they call a peanut butter bacon burger and yeah. to me that sounded disgusting cuz I was like peanut butter bacon burger like that doesn't you don't put peanut butter on a burger and he goes I'm telling you it's amazing and and on one of the episodes he actually said if you don't like it you can chop me like you can back chop okay. me. Of course, he later like redirected. Goes okay. Actually, no. If you don't like it, I'll reimburse you. But you can't chop me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so anyway, I uh, a guy at my work uh, offered to buy us all a meal at Fat Guys, and I'm like, oh, well, that's perfect. So I'll I'll get a peanut butter bacon burger. Yeah. And so I I I text him. I was like, just had a Fat Guys peanut butter bacon burger. Good, not great. I'll expect the back chop this week. He quickly messaged back. He, he said, that was only if you didn't like it. You said good, not great. So that technically means you didn't hate it. <laughs> I was like, ah, you got me with a loophole. But, um, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, to me, that's another thing that's fun about a podcast. That simple thing. I want to try this simply because that gives us something we can talk about next week on the show. Right. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we don't just talk about food for the podcast. I mean, that is are every we talk about food daily sure we just we love i love to cook she loves to cook we love food um i eat way more than my appearance would indicate but yeah i mean that's just that's a huge part of our lives so we have just so much fun talking about it i mean you can talk about food forever i mean and never run out of stuff to to talk about Oh yeah, and and I think that's what's so much fun because it's like you guys would talk about food and it makes me hungry, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's what's that's what's so cool about it. And uh, I, you know, I must say, when you initially said Wendy's fries are the worst fries ever, I was like, I'm, no, I don't think so. But then I had them the other day, and dude, you were right; they are not very good. Well, I know that I have heat with Bane now, so that don't worry about it. I, everyone always has heat with Bane. It's okay, you know. <laughs> but I was just being honest. They're not good. Well, what's funny is I remember I was um, I was right out of high school and I was hanging out with a buddy of mine, and uh, I can't remember the circumstances. We were going somewhere, but he was hungry. He's like, "Care if I drive through Burger King real quick?" I'm like, "Yeah, no problem." So he drives through Burger King. He gets a, a meal, and I remember he ordered onion rings, not fries. And then of course he pays. We drive away. And he's like, "Damn it, they gave me fries!" And I'm like, "No big deal." And he goes. Burger King fries are the worst. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're not that bad. He goes, they're literally the worst fries ever. And I'm like, no, they're not. And he goes, here, try this. And he hands me one, so I eat it. And I'm like, it's fine. And he goes, eating this bag would taste better than <laughs> those fries. And ever since then, it's like it's mentally hit me like, man, Burger King fries really actually are not that good. So They're not. Yeah. yeah no. It's it's one of those weird ones where I think sometimes French fries fall in that same category as pizza where even if they're bad they're not horrible, I guess, but yeah, they're not always the best. Right. I mean, I need a Wendy's fry over like 
Brussels sprouts, but of course, right. I'm not going to Wendy's and being like, man, I got to have them fries. Right. Yeah. That's, but again, that's, what's so fun about talking food and getting different perspectives and stuff like that. And, Yep. Getting to try different stuff. It's, it's a lot of fun, but I highly recommend Tales from the Estate. It's uh, it's one of my go-tos. I love listening to the show. I think anytime we can have a slight different change of pace from the norm, which, you know, unfortunately, sometimes there's a lot of wrestling stuff. Having you guys kind of chop it up over different things is a lot of fun. Well, I appreciate that. Like I said, we, we love doing it, and, you know, we've got a lot of stuff planned for it. We, you know, we're going to try some new things here and there and see what sticks, but... Um, yeah, like I said, just thanks again for all the support. It really does mean mean a ton to us. Yeah, that's what we always try to do is, you know, help out the other the other podcasts the best we can because I feel like we're all kind of we're all doing this for a hobby, but you know, the more listeners is always the better. It kind of is a, a confidence booster, right? You know, when you see like your listeners going up or more people listening to your show, it's always a cool thing. Not that it's, you know, super financially viable to do these necessarily, but it, it to me it's cool when someone hits you up like hey man I really dig your show it's such a it's such a fun feeling. Oh yeah, I mean you know and the feedback I've gotten is has all been positive and that's just it's really cool to hear you know I'll have somebody just random message me and be like hey I, I checked out your show it is really good like you know I really like this or I really like this yeah. so it's like okay that's that's good I like yeah, I'd like to hear what people are enjoying and if there's certain parts of the show that maybe they aren't we'll cut that out you know? yeah. And, and I think that's what's cool is I think shows kind of naturally evolve mm-hmm. to some degree. And I think it's cool, like, now I kind of have this note on my phone of current events, and I write them all down, and that's what we podcast about usually. I, I, if something yeah. hits me, I'm like, ooh, we got to talk about that. Because, like, yep. you know, and I'm, I'm going to date this show again, but, like, you know, this week, you know, or last week, I think it was that Justice League Snyder Cut movie came out. Mm-hmm. Bane's like, oh, it's so good, you gotta watch it. And I'm like, if this were a Marvel movie that was four hours long, I know you wouldn't watch it. You know, <laughs> like, right, right. So like, you're totally contradicting yourself, and that's what that's. But that's to me, that's fun to kind of make mental note of that, and then kind of discuss it on the show and make it a make it a fun thing. Right, and I mean, obviously for you guys, you've been doing it so long. You know, you play off each other, and you know, you know, what you can and can't kind of work through. Yeah. But again, that's what that's what makes the podcast fun, and that's what people have pretty much told us from the beginning. We really like when you guys just kind of go back and forth, and you know, not not razz each other, but you know, kind of in a, in a fun way, kind of go back because that's how we were in high school. Like that's what's so funny is like, right? This is exactly who we were in high school, except now we're thirty five. You know, so right, <laughs> right, and yeah. we're doing it in microphones and stuff. So, but yeah, it's it's fun stuff, and that's why I always recommend people like if you want to get into podcasting. I recommend doing it because it's a it's a pretty fun hobby and you know it's it's relatively inexpensive. I mean you can you can certainly spend a lot of money on it, but it, it's a fun hobby to to dive into. So, like I said, I think it's really cool that you and your wife are doing it, and you know I hope that inspires other people to kind of dive into it as well. Absolutely, thank you. All right, man, you got any any social media you want to plug? Let people know where they can find you. Uh yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter just at Drew Vensel, uh, D R E W V E N C I L L. Uh, if you want to follow our podcast page, it's at Estate Tales on Twitter. Boom! There it is. Well, Drew, this, yes, has, been a, this has been a blast, man. I I've, we have never even spoke before, but this is this hour flew by like super fast. So I uh, I hope, man, we can do it again down the road. Oh, definitely. Uh, just thanks 
for everything. You know what a huge fan I am of this show. You know, I tell everybody I can. I appreciate you know, that so if, much. Thank yeah, you. of course. Like, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, because this show is so unique in the sense that every week is a different story. Yeah. Everybody has their own story. Everybody's story is different. And you get so many different perspectives. It's just, you know, there's really nothing else like it. And I just, you know, anything I can ever do to support, I'm going to do. So. Well, I appreciate that, man. And that was kind of what I, you know, when I decided to do this, I was like, well, I need a name that's going to kind of hit you. Like, I, that's kind of what I wanted because I remember thinking, like, do I just call this, like, the Wrestling Talk Podcast? You know, like, because you kind of think of, like, those random generic names. I'm like, that's not very good. Like, I need something that kind of hits you. And so when I came up with that, like I said before, I was like, oh, man, I hope that doesn't rub people the wrong way. Because I had a couple of friends kind of tell me, like, I don't know, man. That's that's a little too far. I'm like, yeah, but the business is so exposed now. I don't think it's, I don't think I'm like, unturning a new leaf or anything. I think I'm just kind of trying to draw like, no, this is we all love this industry. We're trying right. to defend it. Like we're trying to, you know, say why we love it and why it's so stupid that people can't understand that. And and I, so I appreciate you know like you and, and Seth over at Ringside De- Designs and Dobro and so many people have been so so cool about always putting it over. And I just want you to know uh, firsthand how much I appreciate that. Absolutely, man. Yep. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate it again. And uh, like I said, hopefully down the road, we can chop it up and looking forward to it. Sounds good. Thank you, breaker. All right, wrapping up this edition of You Know It's Fake, right? Of course, a big thank you to my buddy Drew Vensel for being on the show. Once again, I'm in I'm in Orlando, still uh, kind of on location. Hopefully my vacation's going well because I've been there for a week now. Uh, but I'll be back um, tomorrow, actually, as you hear this if you listen on a Monday. And my guest next week, that's right, is the one and only Mitchell Lee, former ring announcer, country music you know, recording artist never quite got his break, but he's a great dude and he loves pro wrestling. He's a, he's recently become a father and just a really good human being. And he's always a guy I love podcasting with. I just love talking to him. And he's one of those guys you probably know nothing about, but having him on the show and getting to talk to him to me, that's what my show's about. It's not about, it's not about big gets or anything like that. It's about having good real life conversations. And that's what I'm hoping to do. With guys like Drew Vinsel and Mitchell Lee, my guest next week, which will also be a good one, which I think everyone will enjoy. So, take a brief, brief pause there. My dog was chewing on a dry erase marker. That that couldn't have been bad, right? <laughs> That's the way it goes. And now she's probably headed back towards it. Tell her, please don't chew on stuff. She's in that puppy stage. My dog is still a puppy. She weighs fifty pounds. Um, today, when I got home from work. She came to greet me at the door. She had, she's basically, my sister says she has spring loaded paws. She jumped up. I'm six, three. She basically was licking me in the face and her tooth hit my cheek and she actually cut me open on my face. She gigged me. Um, obviously not intentional. She's very, very sweet. She's just excited. You know, when you come to the door. So, but like I said, my guest next week will be the one and only Mitchell Lee. I think everyone will enjoy that. Formerly known as big rig, Billy Ray, um, the compound pro wrestling days and the ring announcer role. Great dude, and I think it's a really fun conversation. Everyone will enjoy. Of course, fully posable, doing the favor. The Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast, Ringside Rant with RJ. He just had uh, Big Damo on, you know, formerly Killian Dane. Congrats. Quite a get. The Leisure and Lariat's Podcast with Ruthless Ryan Davidson. Boot to the face. Tales, <clears throat> excuse me, from the estate. Wreck My Podcast. Trivia with Buds. 
Howlin' with the Wolf, my buddy Jason Wolf, and please check out the Chop Shop. I know Drew Vinsel does, and he's got quite the collection. Didn't want to miss out because if you haven't signed up by now, the July release, it's pretty amazing. And that's all I'm going to say without giving it away. It's good stuff. Pulling up a chair with a chair shot and night of the Nerdy Laser podcast. Check all those out. Um, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. No Holds Barred with Bill Benis. The TB Toy Cast with me and Travis Fowler. Plus all of our t-shirts. You know, and uh, me and Bane have a Patreon.com. Uh, forward slash BBPH as well if you want to support us. We appreciate all of that. And uh, I'm going to hopefully go enjoy the rest of my vacation. Thank you guys for checking out You Know It's Fake, right? And remember, as the great Johnny Valentine once said, I cannot make you believe that pro wrestling is real, but I sure as hell can make you believe that I am. I'm Brian Breaker. This is You Know It's Fake, right? We'll see you guys next week. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. Been around for a minute, and I can stand toe to toe with the best of the minute. Don't give a damn about critics, they talk a lot, but at the end of the night, I'm selling the tickets. All the tough guys avoid me, the ladies all adore me, paparazzi record me. I can put on a clinic, all my opposers are born.